play was incredible. It's shaping up to be the Panthers' year. Remember last year, Cam fought through that shoulder injury. Cam Newton may not be right. They go 6-2. Now they've lost five consecutive games. The national narrative includes words like free fall. Carolina's done. They expect you guys to roll over. Defy them and fight! Ah, do what the random noise generator tells you to do. Welcome to Court Killers, the show about watching the stuff you love when you want, where you want, however you want. I'm Tom Merritt. Hey, man, I'm Brian Brushwood, and it may sound like I'm trying to dig on sports, but look, I, 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 I'm in love with a video game that's all about random noise generation. What I love is that you can project whatever narrative you want on it. What narrative are we experiencing in this trailer that we just saw, Bryce? So that's the new season of Amazon's All or Nothing. That's mm -hmm. uh, It's very similar to Last Chance You, where they follow an NFL team through the whole season. So this year it's about the Carolina Panthers. They did really well the previous season and do super hot this season. So mm. well, that's coming July 19th, the same day that the new season of Last Chance U comes out on Netflix. So A both lot of, those of similarities be between this and Mulan. We'll get to that later in the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, start right off with our primary target. We got a special topic for you. So we know it's the summertime. A lot of y'all are already hitting the road. You might be listening to Cord Killers on a road trip right now or on an airplane. And uh, we wanted to share some of our own favorite tips on uh, taking your videos with you, which is one of the big upsides to cord cutting. Uh, if you have a cable subscription, you can do TV everywhere. And there's a lot of video that you can take with you that way. But more so with streaming services, you can have your video with you wherever you are especially if you're in the same country. But even if you go over the, the border, uh, a lot of times there are, are legal ways and maybe potentially uh, terms of service uh, flaunting ways uh, to get, get your video there as well. Um, I want to start off, Brian, by talking about uh, the holy grail for airplane travel, which has been high enough Wi-Fi speed that they will allow you to stream video. I was on a Delta flight coming back from Hamilton, Ontario yesterday, and my connection out of Detroit had the new high-speed tier that says you are allowed to stream video like Netflix and HBO. Uh, what's funny is like the times that I have experienced that I'm not interested in Netflix or HBO. It's always like YouTube. Uh, that's the one that, that always gets me. And I, and I'm shocked to realize how much of my viewing time actually is spent in that in that free environment normally result, reserved for, for, for children, um, I'm equally surprised that this is not a case where they have a server right there on the plane, but instead are... Oh, was it a lie? So this is the first time I have seen this on a Delta flight, and I thought, oh, this is great. I'm going to watch a baseball game. So I fire up my MLB app. And I go in, and by the way, I'm using a phone over Wi-Fi, so I'm probably getting a lower bitrate video because they, they'll adapt that usually. Yeah. Just just doesn't work. Like, it verifies. I'm, first, I'm like, I wonder if I'm going to get blacked out because, like, where does it think I am? But it, it's like, no, yeah, your, your, your uh, viewing location is fine. You can watch this, no problem. And then as soon as the video tried to start, it just said, unexpected error. So I went over to PlayStation View. I'm like, oh, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll check out what, what's streaming on PlayStation View. Maybe watch a little Wimbledon. Uh, I, I think the Women's World Cup was already wrapped up by then. But I was like, let's see. PlayStation View, churned. Never loaded. Churn, churn, churn. 
Netflix, on the other hand, went and uh, launched an episode of Sabrina, popped right up, started streaming, no problem. So, okay, so is this HBO a case- went over, got Chernobyl, popped right up, just started streaming, no problem. Is this a case where they're full on just fibbing and they actually have local copies that you're experiencing? Or is it a case where the these are greenlit and other ones are blocked it out? got to be one of the two. Now, I did a speed test. You do have higher speeds on that service that I was using, so they're not lying about that. Because uh, they charge you more, they charge you ten bucks for an hour versus five bucks for an hour uh, for the for the older version of the Wi-Fi. So that is working. But I wonder, like, are there things cached? Because I know Netflix has wanted to do that with airplanes in the past, or is it a a whitelist situation where uh, they the, they know that Netflix always has a lot of copies of its stuff really close to the point that it's serving from. So they, they can whitelist that and it'll work well. Whereas everything else just kind of is a pot shot. So they just don't even bother. Like, is it that they're blacklisting PlayStation view and MLB or is it just that they've, they've fine tuned everything to stream Netflix and HBO really well and not anything else. I, I feel like it's gotta be the latter, right? Because for the latter, what you could do is, those are big enough institutions that Delta could work out a deal, say, how do we make sure that people have a good experience when they try to watch yeah. Game of Thrones? And they say, well, uh, you know what? We got this one server. Uh, why don't we just dedicate that to you guys and you get to go? Uh, we, we saw a similar thing, man, what, seven or eight years ago now, where uh, depending on your cable provider, um, your uh, you would have difficulty consistently getting YouTube streams. And we actually figured out that you were better off running it through a VPN. Yeah, because so it had to do with the way the deals for transit of video are made on the back end. And when you VPN, you basically force the video to take a different route to get to you than it does in the paid for transit route. Feels like some amount of that almost certainly would happen, especially now. Did you notice a particularly heavy amount of branding like for HBO no. or, or Netflix on there? Nope, you, you just happen to notice that those are the ones that it was work. the description said this is a higher speed may you will be able to do more faster and stream video like Netflix and HBO just in normal text man well I guess this is where we kick it out to the fans if anybody has some insider sauce on this yeah if you let know, us know like I, I, we all got speculations and we just went through a lot of them and that's fine too but we, we really want is like I work on this stuff yeah, here's what they're doing you, like, uh, that would be the yeah, you didn't get far enough into the teching things out to actually try running a VPN, did you? Because no, because uh, I've done that before. You could do on the lower speed connections. You could do that and actually get stuff to work. Uh, so I, I was I was like, well, I already know that that will change it. I, I didn't want to pollute the the science of it by doing that. Yeah, that uh, as a matter of fact, and and uh, I, I think it was a couple of years ago. I was talking about how we launched a new modern road video and I wanted to be able to respond to comments, but the YouTube app wouldn't function at all in this is a, like a trans-Pacific flight. They were and, probably blocking it. Yeah. yeah. And so, and so uh, until I ran NordVPN and then I was able to but at least tell what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Now, you know what? I should have done that now that you mentioned it to see if PlayStation view worked that way, whether it was actually being blocked or not. Uh, but I didn't. Uh, I did. I mentioned I watched. I tried tried watching Chernobyl on the plane. Uh, I did that just to see if HBO would work. I had already watched our episode of Chernobyl while sitting in the Toronto airport, uh, and the way I did that was to fire up ExpressVPN uh, and connect it to an LA server, and it worked like a dream over airport Wi-Fi. Like it was actually I wasn't even on the Wi-Fi. Now that I think about it, I was just on LTE. I was using T-Mobile's free roaming 
<laughs> to get LTE service from some Canadian ISP. Uh, and then I was using ExpressVPN uh, to make sure that HBO would uh, stream me my video uh, to me in the Toronto airport because I can't download the HBO stuff. I downloaded Stranger Things to watch on the plane ride in uh, because I did. And I also didn't have that special high speed Wi-Fi connection. Uh, so that worked great. Like being able to download stuff from stars and Netflix, et cetera, works wonderfully. But HBO, unless you get the new Apple TV channels version of HBO, that's the only way to download an HBO show legally, uh, to watch ahead of time. So I, w I was, I was stunned just how good that has gotten. Cause it used to be when you pop on a VPN for video streaming, it, it was a little bit of a catch as catch can. Like it might work fine. It might work with some stutters. It might not work at all. You just never do. Yeah. So your LTE service, is there a, is there a bandwidth cap on there? Do you, do you have nope. to worry about hitting any of that? Uh, uh, so I'm about a year and change into, uh, I'm over on AT&T. Uh, I got to tell you, man, it's, it's, uh, it, it has been so good for the last year and change that I strongly advised my in-laws when they moved to the new place, they like, they're paying like a hundred dollars in change for some kind of satellite rural internet thing. And they're getting like mm. barely over a megabit or whatever. And it's yeah. like, uh, I, I was like, look at your phone. How many bars do you have? Does it have the letters LTE? And I was like, if, if, if you will give me 20 minutes, I will explain to you how your phone will be your internet service for your, your one computer that you have in the house. Well, and the, car the carriers are going to start marketing 5G service as that. We don't need to run a line to your house. You'll get broad, you know, home level broadband service. So, and yeah. and, and I, I, we're, we're kind of already there in so many ways. And, and I understand that there's somebody out there that is howling and has fists raised because they live in a rural area and they're still screaming about bandwidth. Oh, uh, no, well, yeah, I, and, I'll just mention my sister who lives in a, on a farm outside of Greenville, Illinois. And uh, no, her service is. It's LTE outside and 3G inside, and it's not better than the DSL she can get because she's close enough to the city to be able to get a DSL node these days. Although didn't, she didn't used to. She had to get a wireless microwave connection. Uh, so it, it just depends on where you are. It's, and not all rural installations are the same. But if your parents are lucky enough to be in an area where they can get LTE, they absolutely should. That should be their internet connection. Yeah, and unfortunately, it was just too weird of an idea for them, and so they, you know, immediately signed like a twenty-year contract or whatever. But, but it, it is interesting to me that this was like the hot-button topic that we would constantly talk about eight years ago, and nowadays it's kind of a kind of a non-issue. Like here you are, you have the luxury of of LTE being so ubiquitous and fast, and we're not even to 5G yet, but that you're able to run it through a VPN on top of that and be able to get quality uh, video yeah. streaming on there. No, it's crazy. Uh, I was not able to get uh, Major League Baseball uh, to work over... <sighs> What was it? Oh, no, it was PlayStation View. For some reason, PlayStation View didn't want to stream over the VPN. And I think it may have been checking my GPS location to make sure I was still in the U.S. and then was like, no, you're not. Uh, that's one of the downsides of VPNing to get around geoblocks on a phone. Some apps like the Major League Baseball app are smart enough to look at your GPS, not your IP address because an IP address isn't actually a location. That's why VPN works for that. Uh, and so there will be occasional geoblocking issues with that, depending on where you're going. Um, also, Netflix expires your downloads. So you have to, you know, if you're going on a longer trip, you may have to take that into account. You don't want to download things too early or they might expire before your trip's over. Stars apparently doesn't. I went in to download The Rook uh, before my flight back 
and I noticed that I still had episodes of Counterpoint that I had downloaded for flights last year. Counterpart? Counterpart, sorry, yeah. Although Counterpoint, uh, I, I, I should have had a better joke. You should have had a Counterpoint. Uh, well, so, Counterpoint so, is, the name is Counterpart. Uh, the uh, it, It's interesting because we're talking about apps, and apps certainly have permission or, or, or theoretically uh, it's baked into the app that it's entitled to know where physically your GPS says you are. But then the, the, the counter counterpoint I was thinking of was is. why not, you know, log in through a browser, but nowadays, and this is, this is my white whale that I'm chasing is uh, we've talked uh, previously about how I want the cable version uh, package of of, of uh, news consumption. Right. I would love it if I could just pay a flat fee and have access to all news things. So instead, it's like you, you figure out all these dumb workarounds. It's like when Google News serves up a Washington Post thing, you know that mm, likely if you have a VPN on and you right click and it's early in the month that uh, and you oh, go yeah, incognito yeah, yeah. mode, it'll let you see it. No, but I, I will do the like. Oh, I'm out of my uh, free articles on Firefox. I will switch to Opera to read this one. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. But but then increasingly, I'm seeing a bunch of them saying like, "Whoa, looks like you're in an incognito browser there, are you?" And mm -hmm. so and so now that makes me feel like, uh, you know, the shelf life on that that workaround is is expiring as well. Uh, also, uh, I I, I want to have a quick discussion about what screen you should bring. Uh, if you're intending to watch your TV while you travel, uh, whether it's in a car, well, you know, I know some people can't watch TV in a car, but, uh, or on a plane, I, I tend to prefer a tablet for that. Uh, I actually didn't bring a tablet on this trip. I just brought my phone and it was fine. It was all right. But a tablet gives you a big enough screen that you feel like you're getting a full experience where the phone, sometimes you're like, yeah, I'm probably not getting the full impact of this. Uh, 10 inch, 12 inch, it doesn't matter. I think those are all big enough. They are as big or bigger than the seatback screens you're going to get in most planes. And they don't have the problem of laptops, which are like, what do I do with the keyboard now? Oh crap. I accidentally hit the keyboard. Uh, because if your tablet has a keyboard, you can pop it off or fold it back. Uh, I guess if you have a convertible laptop where you can fold the keyboard away, like a Chromebook or a yoga, uh, that can be good too. Uh, those tend to be a little bigger and they might be too big for you. So I feel like the ideal thing is a tablet. What about you? Yeah, uh, I, I would say it's a luxury that gets you, uh, we'll make up a number, 20 or 30% higher fidelity. But uh, but as we've talked about before, I'm I'm a big believer that convenience trumps fidelity. So oftentimes, the only time I would bother to take out a tablet to set it up is if I plan to do something else on my phone at the same time. Uh, all things being equal, if I just want to watch the mm -hmm. thing, I'll just watch the thing and a phone is give or take. Uh, now, keep, keep in mind, I'm extremely... I mean I, I will admit, I, I freely admit, uh, convenience Biden fidelity for me on this trip because I was like, <laughs> ah, I don't want to carry that tablet around. I'm, I'm just going to I'll use my phone. And it was fine. It was good enough. <laughs> I uh, I have the iPad mini. Yep. And I think it's the perfect mix on sizes. Right. Like Especially for like on an airplane, because yeah. you, you've got you that, that not out. right in front of your face, but but just yeah. a few interesting. Well, and they've got the good fit. magnetic, you know, cover uh stands and all i i think it's it's great and they're high resolution so you know you're, you're getting a decent size and a lot of and this is this is almost an outdated thing but like a lot of video is cut so it'll look good four by three so like on netflix you can full screen it and it'll chop off the sides but it'll be a little bigger even if you want to try that 
Yeah, and it'll fit in a, in a seat back pocket or mm -hmm. uh, or in a car in a little side thing where yeah. laptops often don't fit in that situation. And on planes, they make you put the laptop in your bag during takeoff and landing anyway. So yeah. uh, that's the nice thing about tablets is you can you can continue to watch phones too all the way until landing. So uh, I've got a I've got a quirky question for you. Uh, this question. Like the fact that we're entering the, the whole fact that we're discussing uh, what's the best way to watch your content while you're on vacation. And, and it's all within the context of uh, subscription services. Uh, of course, for me, the shorter answer is, you know, once you quit cable, you have a budget. And so I just tend to buy stuff like I'll buy the whole season of a thing and download it on Amazon. But seven years ago, the answer would have been obvious. It would have been watch it on a laptop. Also pirate it. And um now that we're in this age and keep in mind, part of what's fueling this. And, and again, we are we are strongly anti-piracy on this program, but we do acknowledge that it is a thing and that for at least a chunk of the history of cord cutting, it was the highest quality experience that one could could hope for when a lot of companies wouldn't offer alternatives. But is 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 piracy a thing on phones, given that we have a whole generation of kids whose primary method of interacting with the Internet is on their phones. I'm going to assume that the answer is yes to Android devices, but no to iOS devices. If you have a Plex, yeah, I don't think. But, I don't but, think but a Plex phone... is not doesn't run on a on a on a phone. Like like like, like at, so, at some point, a desktop computer is evolved I mean, for a Plex. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I Brian see. say Brian. I think you're, I'm saying think my daughter. Over... My 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 daughter at the age of 15, mm -hmm. uh, armed with only let's say a tablet and a phone. Uh, my experience at the age of 15, uh, as we all know, I am a reformed pirate, uh, involved a lot of piracy because I was on desktop computers, laptop computers, all that stuff. Sure. Uh, is 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 it a different, significantly different landscape for for folks whose only I, interface is a mobile device? No. No, it's not significantly different. Uh, no, right. it is not it's a not. significantly different landscape. I, I think the changes in piracy have very little to do with the changes in in device type oh because uh, nowadays they're they're acting more like ui systems you can download you can save files you can bring files yeah. into apps and or, or even just via youtube right you right but but, but but the big difference is that there are services that give you what you actually want which is fast instant access to high quality videos and and so on hmm. yeah I mean, without getting into starting to instruct people on how to do this, <laughs> yes. I mean, I mean are, by the way, th uh, this, are, this is how you know I'm a reformed pirate is I don't know. <laughs> I oh no yeah. longer, there, there, there was a time I would have known all of these yeah. things. <laughs> and it's, and it's, and I don't think it's an Android versus iOS thing either. I think if you, if you really want to do it, there's definitely ways to do it. Wild. Okay. I, yeah. I, I didn't even know. I've become an old man, Tom. When did this happen? <laughs> Uh, I think I think an interest an interesting sidelight to that question though is, you know, what about connectivity? Because where piracy starts to become more alluring for people is when they realize, oh wait, my Netflix downloads expire, so I have to plan. Oh wait, HBO doesn't have downloads unless I get it through Apple TV. Oh wait, am I going to be able to get my PlayStation View DVR, my DirecTV Now DVR stuff? Because I don't know if I'll have internet there, and I can't. Watch. That's where it starts to be like maybe I should just get Plex. Uh, and I, I heard more than once this weekend somebody say, "Well, I'm I'm technology technologically savvy, so I just look at Plex first. Uh, that's, it, it's sort of, it's not snotty, but it's sort of the like, well, those of us in the know don't trifle with these, you know, these restrictions that the systems put on us, but that's still a thing, uh, because it is still when you're traveling the most flexible way to do it. Uh, I think the reason that, I mean, that doesn't encourage 
breaking the rules because if you only need it for traveling, you're not going to probably d dive into that world just to get that for traveling purposes. And I don't think people dive into Plex for piracy purposes. I think they dive into Plex for flexibility uh, because they have rips, legal rips uh, of DVDs uh, that they want to make easily available. And there are then opportunities to do things that that may not uh, be respecting of copyright law in there. But it, it, there's so much on Plex that you can do now that isn't violating things and make stuff easy and make stuff easy for offline viewing for watching on the go and, and all of that sort of thing well and and you know many times we've talked about the legal versus ethical side of things if you ask me people dive into plex because they want to be popular because you know who's popular the guy who has an awesome plex server oh you want my plex password <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly no and, and what's funny is i'm pretty sure that 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 ethically is the equivalent of just having a big uh, Blu-ray library that you are very liberal about loaning out copies of, of yes your stuff. and no there's a there's a physical limit to how many Blu-ray libraries you can loan out right when you when you loan out one of your blu-rays you can't loan it out to everybody else at the same time so, so, so there's so, a scale let, factor I, to Plex that you don't have for a blu-ray so let's say let's say in the most generous interpretation of this uh let's say that that no two people happen to be looking at the same thing at the same time outside of that I think you're totally in the clear ethically right? Ethically, well, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Possibly, it's, ooh, cord, cord I, this killers has nothing to do with traveling or watching videos. On oh vacation, no, no, no. It, so it, it I'm definitely not sure how does. much farther down this road I want to go. I, it, it definitely does to me because uh, because uh, it's only in a traveling situation that I would bother to find out a friend's plex situation or whatever. Like outside of that, that that's outside of my my ecosystem or or I, I mean, in general the, the don't. Whole th but but the to have a proper discussion about the ethics of plex and sharing requires us to dig into how much uh, of of a of a money drain are you. Are you actually taking money away from artists because you are doing this? Or would you have said, oh, well, I don't know anyone with Plex. I guess I'll buy a couple of these things and therefore put money into the community that pays for people to have jobs, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, man, I can't remember. I, I think the last time I ever downloaded anything to any of my devices was just I think it was over a year ago when we went to Canada and we just downloaded the full season of um uh, of, of of the expanse, and even then, it was one of those last few seconds before takeoff. Hopefully, we get the entire episode uh -huh, over LTE uh -huh. type situation. Yeah, well, that that was a couple of things that were different. The first time I took a phone to Canada, not not. Like a smartphone to Canada, I said, oh, like okay. an old landline I, that you were just wanting to show off. It had rotary <laughs> dial on it. The first time I took my rotary dial phone to Canada, uh, everyone was like, "Why did you bring that?" Uh, no, the first time I took a smartphone to Canada, I made lots of plans to go and get a get a temporary SIM card so that I could pop it in and get high speed data because I didn't want to pay for the roaming and the roaming wasn't very good. Uh, and there were other times that I went and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I have to remember to download all this uh, Stars content uh, before I take off." Oh no, it's it's so slow to download on this airport connectivity. Neither one of those were a problem. Uh, I, I landed in Toronto and I got a scare because I didn't immediately roam from T-Mobile onto the LTE there because there wasn't very connective good connectivity on the runway. And I'm used to like immediately connecting as soon as I land. I was like, oh no, should I have gotten a SIM card? You know, flashbacks, it's 2009 all over again. No, as soon as we got in the gate, I had full bars and everything was fine from there on out. And then when I was like, oh, I should download a couple of things off these apps before I get on the plane, uh, they downloaded over LTE. I didn't even connect to the, the airport Wi-Fi. I just downloaded them over LTE, like lickety split. It took five minutes. 
So the the entire situation is is just getting easier and easier. That said, I still watched two movies on the seat back uh, video player. I'm, I'm sorry. We just spent 20 minutes talking about all the cord killers way to watch all of the programming. And ultimately you did it the McDonald's way, which is, I mean, well, I this is here. Lots of stuff on my phone. Don't get me wrong. I didn't not watch it. Majority of stuff I watched on my phone, but I watched two movies on the seat back because I wanted to charge. I, I, all right. Can I confess something? Uh, I, I did the exact same thing when we went to Australia last year. Yeah. <laughs> On the it's way like, back. Oh, in you fact, know what? I'll watch this. That'll charge my phone back up. My I'll charge my AirPods up because I had the USB and the electrical outlet and then I'll be fine. In fact, uh, even worse, uh, it was stuff I had already seen before. I, I rewatched oh, really? old Rick and Morty episodes because like, well, I don't know. It's right here. <laughs> Let's go. See, I, I find it somewhat hard to concentrate anyway when I'm on a plane uh, just because there's noise and stuff going on. So I always watch dumber movies uh, for the most part. Well, I watch, sure, sure. Stuff that doesn't take your full attention. Yeah. Uh, so that if I miss a part because a flight attendant interrupted me or I got distracted, it doesn't matter. So I watched Lego Movie Part 2 and The Meg. I Okay. Y- you definitely sent me a text saying, hey, you should play Hearthstone and mainly pay attention to Hearthstone, but have the Meg on while you play Hearthstone. <laughs> Explain to me where that came from. Because I'm watching this and I realize, like, you know what? I'm I'm missing large parts of this movie <laughs> uh, because you know they're they're bringing me a drink or they're you know making an announcement or this or that. And yet I'm like, Jason Statham is just fun. Like, this is just a fun movie. And every time it gets your attention and you look up, there's like a mega shark up there. It's just it's just a blast. And I'm like, I bet Brian would enjoy this if he didn't have to pay attention to it and immediately thought of Hearthstone so, as, as your your method of distraction of choice. Uh, there, there, there was a story over on the Harmontown podcast where uh, Jeff B. Davis, who's uh, of whose line is it anyway fame, told a story. And I, I can't remember the exact movie that it happened to me with. But as he told the story, I was like, I have definitely had that happen. He said that uh, that he was sitting in his, his chair. Somebody in across the aisle happened to be watching the Pixar movie Coco. So he heard none of the audio. There was no subtitles. But the storytelling is so perfectly visual that by the end of the movie that he's casually glancing over, he was Full on crying in no tears. Kidding. He was there for the entire movie and getting a hundred percent of the emotional experience. And yeah, and what I, a compliment I, to the cinematography of Coco. Oh, absolutely, the animation but, or whatever. Yeah. And, and, and and I wish I could remember the specific uh, movies that I've had a similar experience. But if somebody at home has that, hit us up at cordkillers at gmail dot com. Uh, anything else from you, you Brian or or you Bryce uh, about uh, taking taking your movies and your your TV shows with you? I, I've I've softened on my position early on on our show. I used mm-hmm. to be really just mad at the idea that you had to buy uh, TV shows that very likely you're only going to watch once. But I've softened on that as as my uh, 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 my play money budget has increased uh, uh, thanks to not having cable. And so now that I don't mind it, it's like the solution's so simple. Just just download it on Amazon. It's there on your phone forever and yeah. you bought it and you have it and yeah, yeah. you'll probably or never Voodoo watch it again. Or iTunes yeah. or Google Play, whatever you use. But yeah, then it, you've got a, a safe, reliable place to get your stuff that you know is going to work. Then why not? Yep. Uh, yeah, offline downloading on Netflix or like podcasts even like mm. that. That's I lo- I do the opposite of you, Brian. I load up a hundred different things on my iPad before travel 
and never get to almost any of them but just so i have options because then even at even in the hotel so i don't have to deal with wi-fi i can just have it in airplane mode what, what, what's funny is that's how i am for audio entertainment like yeah. like i have i have at any given time literally hundreds of podcasts at the ready and even then i'm constantly looking for other other options yeah. but maybe it's just when i'm on a flight there's something about that add aspect where it's like well okay the story part of my brain is engaged in a story mm-hmm. what are the hands part of my brain going to be doing mm-hmm. in the meantime sure uh the other thing is is I, at least in, i'm pretty sure for netflix if you download something offline and you say go across country borders i think if you keep your phone in airplane or your, your device in airplane mode you can still watch those the videos that you download but i think you also get access to that country's library so if like say tom went to canada and canada gets a lot of the big uh mm-hmm. non-us things you could load up uh on your device while you're in canada and maybe watch some stuff at home. Well, and you could certainly watch them on the plane. Uh, mm-hmm. And and if you don't want to keep it in airplane mode all the way home, uh, you, you've at least because I've done that. I've Star Trek Discovery is on Netflix in the UK, and on a flight back from the UK, I made sure to download that week's episode and watch it on the plane because yeah. I knew I wouldn't be able to get it except for on CBS All Access when I got Even home, which better, is not downloadable. Man, so when you're flying over right. international waters, you can be gambling at the same time as <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah. You, you can you can, you can smoke engage in insider trading. <laughs> Who's going to stop yeah. you, man? <laughs> uh, hey, you know what? Who's not going to stop us is our bosses. In fact, they're going to do the opposite. They're going to allow us to go. Uh, when I looked at that option to stream the video, I knew I had to test it, and I didn't think a second about trying it because thankfully this show is funded by folks at patreon.com slash court killers. Yeah, dude, uh, we say it all the time. You know, we, we, we winkingly talk about you guys being our bosses, but, but we quite literally are doing, uh, we work for you. Our job is to, is to try to stay on top of all of this stuff from a technology standpoint. Hopefully we bring to you some good, uh, artistic projects that you guys dive into and really enjoy. Uh, you guys transformed our lives when we went independent about five, six years ago, and we would love it. If you haven't become a patron already, Head on over to patreon.com slash cord killers. Every single silly dollar, you will never notice it. You will never notice it on your credit card bill at the end of the month, but you will always feel the smug satisfaction of knowing that you are an important and better person than everyone else because you're changing our life. Thank you so much to all of the bosses at patreon.com slash cord killers. All right, let's talk about how to watch. So I feel like we're going to get a lot more of these things in the next couple of years as the digital services start to mature and they think, well, we can do things that you couldn't do on a on a black box that was connected to, you know, by a monopolistic cable company. And Hulu is trying one called a shuffle option for Seinfeld. Yeah, Seinfeld has a loose story arc, but each episode is pretty much standalone. And if people like Seinfeld, a lot of times they just keep rewatching them, even though they've seen them before. So there is now a button on the Apple TV app for Hulu. It's only on Apple TV. Hulu says they'll consider adding it to others. Uh, but there is a button labeled yada, 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 that if you click, it will start a playlist of 180 Seinfeld episodes in random order. I think this was designed to be a cute thing for people like us to talk about. Mm -hmm. I think secretly (laughs) this is a very powerful option that is very, very good. I think I want to see more of the random buttons on everything. Um, 
that that that's actually a feature you know once we got you know in the hundreds of articles on the modern rogue uh like at some point you're like you're like that was fun just give me another uh, another of whatever it is and i i like it being i think that i hate decision making i hate that that feels like work to me mm -hmm. and uh but i know let's say i hate decisions but i like seinfeld this is the perfect button I hate decisions, but I like Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Perfect button. I I, I think I think that they are. I don't like the the overly adorable yada 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 thing tie in whatever. But uh, the point is, I mean, I mean maybe if I, I'm not a huge Seinfeld fan, I like it enough. But maybe if I was, that would tickle my fancy. More. I, I guess don't I don't know. I, I mean, I've I've watched all the Seinfeld episodes, and it doesn't really do much for me. But but I do think that there's something to this that the decision to abdicate decision-making I think is incredibly potent and powerful. And I think you're right because they're like retweet this and we'll consider adding it to other platforms. So they're obviously like some kind of like viral marketing strategy at play, but just give me this with multiple options. Like I choose the science fiction television show genre shuffle. I don't even know what, what series I'm going to get. Just show me stuff or the star Trek option shuffle or uh, movies, uh, all the movies that I own on, on, on movies anywhere shuffle, like just give me this, like you say, abdication of decision. I know I want to watch this flavor. I don't want to have to comb through a library and figure out what, which one of that flavor I want to pick. Just start showing me stuff. You know, what's really funny is Google already nailed this, but they did it in the wrong format. If I'm ever searching for a thing, then I want to make sure I'm getting the thing that I'm searching for. So while it was always cute that they had the I'm feeling lucky button on there, have you ever used that? Have you ever typed in a thing and just gone with I'm feeling lucky? I mean, yes, I have, but more as a like, what does that button do? Oh, that's right. <laughs> right. And, and then what's the first thing? Once you go there, you're like, OK, was this the best fit? And then you immediately back up and do it again. So I think there's something to that button, but it's like. Uh, imagine Hulu where, of course, you maybe don't want to have to make a decision or or find something. What if there was just a button instead of I'm feeling lucky? It says, do you trust me? And then it's like, yeah, sure. Right now I'm feeling like I trust you. Go. What do you got? Yeah. And then uh, you're in. I, I wonder, actually, if AI like actual machine learning that gets good at pattern matching uh, would make this more attractive to people where it says, look, I know what kind of stuff you want. I'm going to ask you two questions and then I'm going to show you something because I, I, I have seen what people like to watch across, you know, millions and millions of databases. And so I have a really good idea. That's the kind of thing machine learning is good at. So I, I think, I don't know if we've talked about it on this show, but in his book, Sapiens, uh, Harari writes about the difference, uh, or maybe it's, no, it's Homo Deus is what it is. He talks about artificially intelligent uh, organisms in terms of sovereigns and oracles. So, uh, and it, it blurs between the two. So, so right now, Google is an oracle. You're like, bring me the thing. And it brings you the thing, right? But what if Google as a sovereign was imagine? OK, think about this. Imagine Stranger Things season four is going to come out and you have an option three months before it comes out to click a button and say you can either when it comes out, watch the show or you could click this button. And for the next three months, 
very carefully placed nudges will happen in your search results, in the pop-up ads and everything that'll get you thinking certain about certain topics. And as a result, our marketing shows us, our testing shows that you will have about a 50% more exciting, more amazing time because what will feel like serendipity will in, in fact be engineered. Would, would you be, would you be for that? Would you subscribe to that? Would you say, yes, go ahead and guide my thoughts? Because really what I'm describing in, in, is sort of a, a maximized version of the Alamo draft house pre-show where it's like, Hey, you're about to watch this movie. We've already seen the movie probably going into Batman begins or Batman, uh, uh, whatever, uh, you probably should know who, uh, uh, the the scarecrow is although we're not going to tell you that we're just going to be looking like we're showing you old cartoons that happen to have the scarecrow but then when the movie starts you'll be glad that you learned all of that going into it what what about that in a long con kind of situation yeah no i i, I think that's a cool idea that's a, that's a different idea than what i was talking about of course but but i love that idea of saying hey uh, I want to sign up for the, you know, get pumped about Stranger Things. I'm pumped about Stranger Things. Help me, you know, get even more excited. Give me nuggets that'll help me enjoy it more. Yeah, I'm all, I'm all into that. I don't even think you need machine learning to do that, to be honest. I mean, that, that might be uh, something for machine learning, but I think it's better as a curated experience. The machine learning aspect could figure out where to put it so that it naturally, quote unquote, shows up. Uh, but I, I almost think the Alamo Drafthouse guy or lady who picks things would be better at programming that because you, you don't need pattern matching to do that. Whereas what I'm talking about, which is I know what kind of things you like, you don't know what to watch, but I do know what you want to watch. I think that's the thing that, that ML can handle. Yeah. These are good. These are good things. Folks, send us your ideas of what kind of new weird features you'd like to see streaming services try. Cause I, I mean, uh, because otherwise Imagine, we have to listen to Brian's crazy ideas. <laughs> no, because you've got me thinking like Star Wars, episode nine. If I could sign up right now for your service and I knew it was good and it would be just start giving me interesting things in a way that isn't a spoiler, right? I won't be able to play detective and go, oh, you're showing me this because Ray's mom is Mon Mothma or whatever. Or, or, right? or, or like, imagine imagine even in little ways like uh, your Google news feed, it says, uh, here's an article you should read. It's about the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand. And you're like, well, this is a really interesting article. Uh, I'm not sure how I got here, but I'm glad I know about it. And then... And then later on, there's another article about like um, the See, hostile but I would, takeover. I would probably of, be able to tell like, oh, that I wouldn't normally get that. That must be Star Wars related. But, that must well, be because I signed up for the Stranger Things. But I'm fine with that. So I'd be okay if they even just put a flag on it and said, here's your recommended article today. And I'm like, oh, cool. I got to read that. Well, and I, I suppose theoretically, let's say even if you knew that it was part of a, a long-term priming, we'll call it a priming service, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but, but theoretically, you would have seven or eight shows that you were – priming yourself for so you wouldn't know whether this is matrix seven the return the matrix mm, rides yeah, again or could or yeah. uh, 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 the phantom menace uh, uh, moves in with your mom uh phantom menace moves in with your mom is my favorite mashup <laughs> all right let's talk about what to watch in under surveillance The first trailer for the live-action Mulan is out, and it looks like a serious Mulan legend retelling, more than a remake 
of the animated movie. Uh, for instance, there's no dragon, uh, no songs yet. Uh, there, there's some themes in the in the background that are familiar, but uh, there was no actual singing in the trailer. Uh, Mulan comes to theaters on March 27th. What do you think, Brian? Um, am I remembering this right? Mulan got a little bit of, of guff for trivializing a, a fairly serious uh, war or experience over, over in China. Or I mean, something. I mean, you could just say like, am I remembering this right? A movie got guff for being the movie that it was well uh, it, yes specifically but like 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 mulan do- mulan has come under some criticism again it's pretty much every disney movie has sure. come under criticism for this but mulan came under criticism for taking an ancient legend and retelling it in sort of a funny way a which some people way. felt was distress- disrespectful what? i think i think i'm putting that right I'm, i don't claim to be an expert on it but yeah you're right it got it can't got some criticism which all of which is to tee up my real question is is does your gut say that this is like a response to that like sort of a well i mean okay you can decide to interpret it as a response to that or you can decide to look at it as oh and here's a different approach to telling the mulan tale i wonder if i will like this one yeah you're right there, uh, even there's no way for me to even phrase the question in a way that doesn't project some kind of value judgment on it. I, I, I guess, and of course, no decision is is made in that simplistic of of a format. There's a million reasons. Um, I just think they want to bring back the the Szechuan sauce. Hopefully, I mean, really, I think that's what we're all concerned about here. It's like, okay, great, you have a you have a better storytelling. You have a an all Chinese cast this time. That's we're 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 fully behind this. Where's the Szechuan sauce? <laughs> sure. Yeah, I, I think the movie looks good. Uh, you, you know, people can get lost going down the rabbit hole of like, well, are they changing it because reasons or uh, why aren't they singing? Where's my Eddie Murphy drag? Did Eddie Murphy turn down the role? Like, OK, you if that's fun for you, do it. But this looks like a really good movie if you just leave all of that behind at the door, at least so far. Anyway, that's I mean, and we've talked about this before. We know that that Disney is uh, excellent stewards of those properties. So I have no uh, I have no doubt that it'll be an amazing movie. What is much less controversial, The Little Mermaid live remake has cast Halle Bailey, not Halle Berry, Halle Bailey as Ariel. And uh, she is one half of the sister duo Chloe and Halle. Uh, she is a co-star on the Grownish television series, a spinoff from Blackish. Uh, this remake will most definitely include songs, uh, more casting announcements coming, but the odds are on Melissa McCarthy as Ursula and Aquafina uh, voicing Scuttle. I think this is a fantastic choice, uh, simply because this lady can sing, and uh, as she has shown on Grownish, she can act. Uh, yeah, hundred percent, all in. I, I think it's interesting that uh, autocorrect changed Gronish to Gronefish. Uh, oh, I I, I, I rather liked uh, uh, <laughs> uh, what was Melissa McCarthy as Ursula autocorrected to uh, 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 to to Ursine or something. <laughs> yeah, took a took a little uh, mental gymnastics for me to read this properly, but uh, yeah, I actually think Halle Bailey is is talented, and if you don't know her, that's not a surprise. She's probably just not you know, in the things that you like to watch, but you want somebody to play Ariel because this will be a musical uh, who can sing those songs and she can. Uh, and it's kind of along the lines of uh, of the woman they cast in Aladdin as Jasmine, uh, just one of those young stars who can sing coming up. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the, let's talk about the trailer for uh, who, who the Who Done It Knives Out. All right. Uh, Ryan Johnson has a movie come out. It's his first movie since Last Jedi called who, Knives Out. 
the trailer hit theaters ahead of Spider-Man. Uh, that's where I saw it, in front of the Spider-Man Far From Home. Of course, you could see it online. Daniel Craig and Lakeith Stanfeld play detectives investigating the murder of an 85-year-old man played by Christopher Plummer. Uh, they, uh, the, the, the movie is described by Ryan Johnson as Alfred Hitchcock meets Agatha Christie. Uh, also stars Tony Collette, Anna DeArmas, Jamie Lee Curtis, Don Johnson, Michael Shannon, Catherine Langford, and Jaden Martell coming out November 27th. I feel like after watching this trailer that they're just straight up doing Clue. <laughs> I feel like it's going to be quaint and small and the cast will be amazing and the chemistry will be amazing. But it's not. This doesn't feel like a blockbuster to me. But uh, I love I love Ryan Johnson and uh, everything about this. It seems fun. It's interesting too because we've talked a lot about how comedy has kind of become a digital genre, right? People will watch comedies on Netflix that they would not go to see in the movie theater anymore. And this seems like an attempt to say, yeah, but what if we got Ryan Johnson to make Clue? What what if we got Ryan Johnson to do your whodunit uh, for you? I mean, to be honest, the trailer got me interested. Like, I love a whodunit, and whodunits are always on rails. It's it's fun to try to guess who the killer is, but you know, there's a killer. You know, it's one of the people. You know, there there are certain things that that are not surprises here, but. Uh, it can be really entertaining nonetheless. Not going to lie. Saw this trailer and thought, oh, that's going to be great when it's on Netflix. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's where I, I ended up. I don't know if this will pull me into the theater. It's a really good point. I don't think it will for uh, me. Because seeing the trailer in front of Spider-Man definitely made me appreciate like, oh, this looks good on the big screen. I don't know if that's enough. Yep. Yeah. Amazon Prime Video will run a six-part series on soccer called This Is Football starting August 2nd. The documentary series is produced by former Disney and Fox chairman Joe Roth, who's also a owner of the Seattle uh, soccer team. Uh, it's also co-produced by Starbucks, uh, Barbarian's rising producer October Films, and Spanish firm Brutal Media. This is Football is written and co-created by journalist and author John Carlin. Uh, sports. Uh, yeah. Sounds great. Amazon Prime Video, getting the sports on. Yeah. Like football. Uh, and finally, a new trailer for Maleficent, Mistress of Evil is out. Angela jo- Angelina Jolie is back, uh, challenged by a new character played by Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, basically, from the trailer, it looks like Aurora wants to get married and Maleficent doesn't like that much. Coming on October 18th. I, I There was a first movie of this, right? That, yes. That I, that I didn't this is see. The was it good? sequel. Yeah. Uh, is it good? Should I watch it? I never saw the first one. Uh, I heard some people saying, wait a minute. I did not. Didn't the first one just wrap up the story? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see it, but it seems like, what more do you tell in a Cinderella adjacent story? She gets swept up and uh, there's some graphite that needs to be cleaned up. (laughs) Now she thought she was out, but she has to get back in. The trailer (laughs) says, go beyond the fairy tale, which means Mm. we wrote new stuff. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Did that did that work very well for uh, Snow White? <laughs> so Snow White and the Huntsman, Huntsman you're talking yeah, about? Huntsman yeah. had its own problems. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest, the trailer looked good. It looks pretty, and and like if you just want like a fun fantasy movie to sit back and enjoy, this would probably be a good one. Um, but yeah, I I don't know that there. I don't know. Maybe there's some Maleficent fan people out there that'll you know flock into the studio. I might watch it though because it it just looks like a, a good escape movie. Depends on whether or not you have a flight to Canada. 
Yeah, you kind of read my mind there. I'm like, and I'll probably be on an airplane. All right, uh, let's talk about what we've had our eyes on. Hey, I uh, continue to show old movies to my 11-year-old daughter, and in this case, I got uh, all three of my daughters to sit down and watch all of uh, Pleasantville with uh, Tobey Maguire in uh, Reese Witherspoon. Man, that movie really holds up. It... Uh, it was quaint when I saw it in the theater. Thought it was great. Now that I have the context of being twenty years older and having uh, kids and whatnot, and um, at the time, and I don't know if it's if it's just because I was younger, I was like, oh, I get it. They're doing like a old school racism thing. Uh, but but in the increasingly uh, politically racially charged environments of twenty nineteen, um, it was it was much more potent. And uh, I I I I I. I it's a, it's a much better movie than I dared hope. Um, also, I was really glad that we had already had certain sex talks with our children before mm. an important plot point uh, causes a tree to burst into flames. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, Pleasant, Pleasantville oh. is great. Oh, have, have you not seen I've it? I've not seen Pleasantville. So, uh, that's, yeah. uh, well, so uh, there, there's a moment of oh, self, no, I, self, I, I, self discovery. I put two and two together. Okay. All right. I put two and two together. Pleasantville now with more relevancy. <laughs> yeah. Current events. It's great though. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Uh, I saw Stranger Things uh, in a vacuum of only me and my wife watching it. Uh, we burned through it and loved it. And apparently that's wrong. So I don't have much more to say about that. <laughs> but, uh, well, I, I, the, the feedback I've heard, and of course, I, I've not seen it, so I, I can't accidentally spoil anything but man uh sounds like a lot of people did didn't didn't like it uh but but you guys i know my 11 year old loved it i know it sounds like you liked it i know yeah. that that uh i've walked in on bits and pieces of conversations where bryce and justin were not fans I, uh, to distill it very quickly not spoiling it in any way but it just feels like stretching it out a little bit. I didn't feel I, that way at all. And, and again, in yeah. a vacuum where I knew no one else's opinion except my wife's, we had a great time. We thought it was fun. We ate mm -hmm. it up, watched seven episodes on July 4th, wow. and then finished it the next morning. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're both like, that was really great. That was fun. And we had speculations like, I think that insane means this. Then I found out what everyone else thought. <laughs> so It is a big spectacle. Go. I mean, that's the thing is it's kind of gone from being this – uh, a little know. indie yeah. ghost story. Yeah, it too. doesn't feel maybe as charismatic, but it is still a big spectacle, a big action horror. It's action horror instead of horror. Yeah, 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 it really hasn't been a horror story since like the end of episode six, like uh, of season uh, one of season one. Ever since then, it's been just action. Mm. Uh, I, I mean, that's yeah. up to I haven't watched season three, but I assume they continue that on season three. My understanding is that's the case. But now I do want to mention, I think you should leave the show on yeah. Netflix oh, because oh, welcome aboard, my friend. Oh, my God. So glad. I this is one where oh my god Ryan he admitted <laughs> now you have to marry your mother-in-law <laughs> we did this on twitter over the weekend just said each other great. quotes from the show well brian may said just watch the first i think it was five minutes of mm. this episode and i watched it and i kept watching because i'm like this is great and then i got interrupted and i never went back until uh, a friend of mine, uh, Dave Broadbeck, uh, up, up at the uh, podcasters roundtable that I was at this weekend, mentioned it in in some other context. Not, I think on his podcast he mentioned it. Justin Robert Young used clips from it on politics, politics, politics. So I'm like, you know what? I, I don't know why. It's not that I've been putting it off. It's just been like I kept forgetting to go find it. So at the airport, I downloaded all the episodes, started watching them, and just 
blazed through it. Just genius. I am a huge fan of sketch comedy, always have been. Uh, so I love that. And it just gave me that feeling of of Mr. Show and and uh, Upright Citizens Brigade and, uh, and uh, Kids in the Hall, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Time all going all the way back to Monty Python. Just just so good because it gave me that feeling because it wasn't being them. It was being something totally new and different and taking different beats and playing with them. And it was it's just really funny. And, and there is there are virtually no sketches that overstep their welcome. Like when they're in one note joke, they get in for their one note and get out. Oh, it's so much fun. And, well, and also when you think, oh, OK, they're going to go for this joke. They don't. They'll soft pedal it and then it'll turn into something else. You're like, I didn't see that. And that's that's the best comedy right there. Bryce, what should we be on the lookout for? Hey, we got a suggestion from a listener to courtkillers at gmail.com. It writes, I have a suggestion for on the lookout. The Casketeers is a series on Netflix. The series follows a funeral director and his employees in New Zealand, and they specialize in Pacific Islander funerals such as Maori and Tongan that people feel genuine, and it just makes us feel good watching it. The second mm. season just released last week on Netflix. Dan, thank you, Dan. Yeah, I watched the first, uh, almost, almost first two episodes uh, before the show, this is a really interesting show because in a lot of ways it is set up like a reality show, like a, one of those Bravo docudrama, you know, uh, uh, just day in the life shows. But it's uh, at least in the first two episodes that I watched, it's very intentional on like how little it shows of like the bodies and, you know, the actual ceremonies. Right. I, it actually it feels very um, reserved in terms of how much it shows of any given uh, client, uh, and and so it mixes this very like respectful and 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 detail oriented um, staff uh, with with kind of some humor because they're human beings and so they have thoughts about their job and their coworkers. So so and, uh, this is unscripted or scripted? Unscripted. Holy cow! Like like this feels like something you would expect to be. Mm -hmm. script uh, faux unscripted like scripted but presented sure. as unscripted and I've, I've only seen the two episodes so far there was a thing in the second episode about a van that felt maybe a little like hey here's a van deal with it for us for an episode that you know there, there's always massaging and that sort of stuff sure yeah but that is unscripted when they do that stuff but i know what yeah. you mean yeah it, but it, it it's mixed with the, the very like emotional and genuine moments of of you know dealing with the different cases that come in um, and it, cause it could be very like, Oh, you know, this woman got shot. She, you know, she just got shot last night. We could kind of do a night crawler sort of thing on it, but instead it's very, it, it's, it's very pulled back and it, it feels really respectful to my eyes. And it's, it's, and it's interesting to show a lot of, of the Pacific Islander um, ceremonies and, and traditions also. The uh, it reminds me of that one line in the intro to uh, Dirty Jobs where he says, uh, you know, his whole show is dedicated to highlighting the experiences of the people who make civilized life possible for the rest of us. And, yeah. and this is one of those pockets that I, I think I would like to find out more about the people in the day to day life that they yeah. experience. It's very humanizing in, yeah. in, in that way. Um, so this is called The Casketeers. It is on Netflix. It's not a Netflix original. I think it's it's a New Zealand show. You can tell when they cut to commercial break. But uh, two seasons are on Netflix. You may have to check something like JustWatch.com to see where it is in your neck of the woods. Like, oh, and uh, I, I realized I only said the sketch show name once. I think you should leave is the name of the sketch show. That is also on Netflix. Oh, well, that was a, I, I was taking that as a direction. I was going to leave right after. <laughs> yeah. I think you should leave is the name of the sketch show. I tried to say that as fast as possible. Uh, if you got something we should be on the look for, for email us, cordkillers at gmail.com. And while you're in your email, uh, look for an email from me. 
which you will get if you have subscribed to the Free Tom newsletter at freetomnewsletter.com. It keeps you up to date on all the writing I'm doing, uh, any appearances I might be making. has links to all the episodes of all the podcasts that I do every week. If you're like, how do I keep up with all of that, Tom? Well, this is it, freetomnewsletter.com. And the best part is you can just respond to that email if you have something to say to me, and I'll email you right back. It's the best way to keep in touch uh, with what I'm doing. If you're interested, freetomnewsletter.com. It's absolutely free. Let's move on to the front lines. Front lines. Netflix is setting up a production hub at the historic Pinewood Shepperton Studios. A fantasy movie called The Old Guard with Charlize Theron and Chiwetel Ejiofor will be the first production there. Pinewood Group says that it is opening 22 new sound stages to accommodate all the movie-making business it's been getting, not just from Netflix, but, but loads of others as well. In related news, Tom Merritt is a super cool bro and co-host because he made sure to take the first story so Brian didn't have to pronounce Chiwetel Ejiofor. Right? Uh, but then you did it anyway. Look at you, taking a bullet for the team. Good job. Uh, uh, mischief. I, Internet well, hold on. Pinewood Studios, you know, like Star Wars was made there, right? Oh, I didn't know that. And The Third Man was made there. And like, just go look it up in Wikipedia. You'll realize Lord of the Rings had some shoots there. Like every movie you've loved has done some work at Pinewood. It's incredibly historic. So it's kind of a big get for Netflix. That's why they make it such a big deal. That's amazing. All mischief. right, now I'm giving you something to pronounce. Yeah, uh, Mischief, that's M-S-C-H-F, Internet Studios has published a Chrome extension called Netflix Hangouts. It puts what you're watching on Netflix in the lower right corner of four video boxes. The other three, fake conference call participants. Uh, we're like seeing fully video too, right? Yeah, yeah we're, we're seeing the return of the boss key. So it's like while, while you're there, you're just in the middle of a Google, uh, Google Hangout. It's hard to make that spreadsheet key look real these days. So they did this instead. This <laughs> That's is, brilliant. Uh, I love it. Yeah. Although, honestly, if you see like the big mind flare, you know, walking through one of the the keys because you're watching Stranger Things, I'm, I'm not sure that they won't catch you, but it's funny anyway. Uh, Quibi keeps looking better on paper. BBC Studios is the latest investor in the company. Here are the other investors in Quibi. Disney, Sony, Warner Brothers, Viacom, MGM, E1, Liberty Global, Alibaba, and ITV. Now, if you are paying attention, last week we told you BBC's Natural History Unit signed on to make a nature show for Quibi, and they followed that up with actually putting money into Quibi. And if you haven't heard us mention it before, Quibi plans to release video series in shorter chapters, so an episode might be around 10 minutes or less, and a whole series will tally up to a couple hours coming next year. This is such an enigma to me. It 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 smells like vessel all over again. But it seems like a, a something a bunch of olds would think the youngs would want. But another part of me says if you're gonna bet, if you have a if you have a, a twenty five dollar chip and the roulette wheel of business, do you bet on people having longer attention spans or shorter mm -hmm. attention spans? Mm -hmm. I I don't know what to make of 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 Quibi. Every instinct in me says. This can't work. This won't work. Nobody wants this. You don't hear people out there going, you know what I need is a, a Netflix with shorter shows. Like that's just not something you hear people say. But they're so they've convinced so many people to invest in it. They've convinced so many advertisers to pre-buy ads on it. They've convinced so many talented directors and actors to make shows for it that it does make me doubt myself. Like, well, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't see it. 
Deadline reports that Disney TV Studios is floating a new compensation model for broadcast cable and TV series. Among the changes would be paying people, particularly talent, fixed cash amounts that vary based on how long a show runs, how it performs, and how many awards it gets. There would be no profit participation on syndication, which often uh, complicates digital distribution. This isn't new for digital series. Amazon already does something like this, but it would be a huge change for broadcast TV. Warner Brothers TV is experimenting with a similar model ah uh, man this this is a bit more inside baseball than i think we usually get on the show but 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 in concrete terms what do you think this means in as far as changes we can expect in and programming and how people treat it yeah so th- th- there's a whole rabbit hole to go on uh, about like what does this mean for talent uh d- does this mean that the bigger stars will get less money and the smaller stars will get more money because of their structuring and that's all very interesting but for us uh, our, the, the way it's going to impact us is you won't see shows hop as much. You won't see shows not show up at places because, well, they couldn't get the rights. What this is saying is where Netflix says we buy a show, we own it, we get to keep it on Netflix forever unless we're buying it from someone else, right, like Friends. When we make it, it stays here. You're seeing Disney look for that same kind of flexibility. When we make a show for Disney+, Plus, we want to be able to decide where it goes without having to renegotiate a bunch of back-end points deals with a bunch of people. And a lot of times when you're like, why isn't this show available for streaming? That's why, because they, it's just too complicated to renegotiate the deals and get everybody on board. So this would be a way to make that happen more often. Do, do you think there's any amount of this that is fueled with, like we live in an age increasingly where somebody's brand social media presence is a valuable commodity uh, and you want to align incentives so that they want to be constantly creating their own material, promoting it on their Twitter feeds or Facebooks, their Instagrams and all that stuff. Or, or is that or is that uh, so much white noise in the background of the real reasons I, I, to do this? I, I think that's a separate thing. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think it's white. I think it's more than white noise, but I think it's it's sort of a, a separate issue. This this to me seems particularly about flexibility in distribution. Uh, you know, one of the reasons The Expanse left sci-fi is sci-fi couldn't figure out how to make the, the streaming work. Uh, and it was either give it to somebody else and not make enough money off of it or not be able to or have to pay to stream it because they didn't own everything. And so you're seeing going to see a lot of moves like this one that say we just want to make it easier that when we make a show from then on, we get to decide what to do with it. And we don't have a bunch of profit sharing that makes it costly to do things. Sometimes it's not even just about getting people to approve, but decide to have an accountant or a lawyer go through and decide, well, OK, if we put it on Netflix or if we sell it to Warner's new streaming service, who gets paid? Right. Like, how do we pay them and who gets paid? That that can be costly. So getting rid of that is is what this is about. The 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 short version of the story is this will make it easier for companies to figure out where they can put their streaming stuff. And that means you'll, you'll have more access to stuff. Netflix says it will no longer show characters smoking in its TV 14 or PG 13 productions, except in cases of factual accuracy. So it's a documentary they're not going to take it out. It will also try to avoid showing smoking or e-cigarette use in adult oriented projects, quote, unless it's essential to the creative vision of the artist or because it's character defining, say historically or culturally important. The Truth Initiative has been campaigning for this, saying that 12 of the 13 most popular TV shows among people aged 15 to 24 prominently feature smoking, including Amazon's The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and Hulu's Gap Year. Of course, Stranger Things also. 
this is dumb and I hate it, but it's their company. They get to run it however they want. It's a lagging indicator, not a leading indicator. They're acting as though they're single-handedly taking on smoking. In fact, the Truth Campaign has been running this for decades, getting to this point. Uh, it's it's very easy to hop on a bandwagon that's headed out of town. Smoking is, is at an all-time low of popularity in my lifetime. Uh, oh, how brave of you, Netflix, to hop on that rail. Well, you're, you're it I, I feel I looked at this as like, oh, Truth Initiative finally wore them down. Like, okay. I and guess. Like, fine, I don't know. Fine, this, we'll it all it. seems dumb to me. Uh, yeah. MoviePass shut down services to customers as of July 4th at 5 a.m., according to CEO Mitch Lowe, to shut down the last sef- uh, the su- shutdown will last several weeks to complete work on a new app. During that time, the service won't accept any new signups or charge existing customers. Subscribers who have already paid for the month will automatically be credited for downtime once MoviePass re- resumes service. So uh, TLDR, MoviePass. Just killing it like always. Good, good, good. Okay. And it being themselves. <laughs> you know um, what I saw about this is that they disabled the app, right? So you can't check into movies. The app is the only way you can cancel the service. Yeah. You can't do it online. Oh, really? Yeah. Or if I, it, I imagine it, they would be a very long Twitter DM. But or they're email. not charging it's, you. Oh, mm. great. Yeah. They're just holding you for hostage until they've fixed the app because like it, it, i would cancel the app even if they cut it off for two weeks during july 4th weekend i would that would be the time i'd like to cancel the app but Look, man I, i've given up trying to understand movie pass a long time ago <laughs> I, you know it is a cockroach of a service in that it has continued to last uh I, I i have no illusions that it's going to make its comeback um but we've we've followed it this far i figured we <laughs> All right, keep seeing it to the end. So let's get to some dispatches from the front. Got another Lowcast user reporting in. Howard L. from Western Maryland has been using Lowcast since February and says, while I'm in that market, I'm unable to receive any over-the-air television because of geographic barriers. In other words, he's just he's in the market for Washington, D.C. area television. He just can't get it because stuff is blocking the signal. He says, years ago, my local cable company started charging a local surcharge to bring me the Washington network affiliates. So he switched to DirecTV now. However, he misses PBS and CW because neither are carried by DirecTV now in Washington. And now Lowcast brings him those channels. It took Lowcast several months to get fully up to speed, but now that most of the startup and ISP issues are worked out, Uh, He says, I'm very pleased to give them $5 a month donation for bringing me over-the-air television. And just this past week, I learned of Fitzy TV, that's F-I-T-Z-Y, an application service that is a wraparound aggregator application and DVR service for digital. So Fitzy doesn't sell you anything. They just say, hey, got a low-cast subscription? Uh, Log into it, use Fitzy TV, and then we'll act like a DVR for it. And also, kind of like Plex, pull in other services. Not not every service is part of it, but you could have more than just Lowcast. Uh, he says, this allows me to record Lowcast for later viewing. It's not perfect, but I can say it's as good, if not better, than the beta DVR DirecTV Now provided. Fitzy TV is $5 a month for 25 hours of video recording, and larger plans are available at fitzytv.com. It's currently only available for Fire TV and Android, but it is compatible with Chromecast, and they promise an iOS app soon. 
And chiming in on our discussion about whether or not it's better to watch a movie in a theater or by yourself, uh, we got an email from Yaru all the way in Malaysia. I love having so many international viewers. It's awesome. He says, uh, I thought I'd chip in, he'd, he'd chip in in the cinema discussion. He uh, says they're 29 years old, millennial, Generation Y, but they really love going to the cinema. Pretty much agreed with everything that we uh, that our guest, that was Scott Wilkinson, uh, said. Love the communal experience of watching movies, uh, especially true for movies with a lot of comedy in it talks about a particular movie that he watched 25 times in the theater and his enjoyment you know long after you get past the surprise of the storytelling and all that pretty much was directly proportional to what crowd he happened to be with each time uh, he saw it so um most damning is that he can never uh ex- experience that kind of recreation Alone at home. So this is somebody who will not be chiming in on uh, my idea of renting an individual karaoke style room in the future. However, uh, Steve S., who writes us uh, uh, wonderful missives, says that uh, Brian's metaphor of movies and other media and various mechanisms to downloading units of, of storytelling was spectacular, to which I say thank you. Ah, good. We got some balance. Fantastic. Uh, Tim wrote in and said, good moment to remind people of after. Oh, no, that was your note to me. Never mind. Uh, Tim wrote in and said, thanks to Tom for the rendition of O Canada on the most recent after talk on Canada Day. After talk is, of course, only available to patrons. uh, And I uh, regaled Bryce and Brian uh, with a a rendition of the Canadian national anthem. Uh, Tim then says, I won't nitpick. But I guess by writing this, I am by definition nitpicking. So he starts doing a thing that bothers me, but then is self-aware enough to point out, but I guess I'm doing it anyway. Uh, He points out that Canada on on February 18th got royal assent to a a long uh, push to change the lyrics of the Canadian national anthem from true patriot love in all our sons command to true patriot love in all of us command. And in fact change it back. Those were lyrics of the Canadian national anthem previously and had been changed to in all our sons command. Uh, so as of February, that is the new, uh, lyrics. And I, I did not, uh, recognize, I did not reflect that change in my singing. Uh, and for that, I apologize. Tim says as a publicly stated monarchist, Tom, you might be interested in a recent episode of the big story on frequency network entitled when the queen dies, what happens next? It was a good general discussion on what happens once the inevitable happens to the queen, who for most of the planet and roughly 85% of Canadians is the only monarch they have ever known. Mike Mills wrote us as well, and and for all I know, maybe we talked about this at some point in the past, but he says that uh, uh, we've talked about uh, uh, libraries have uh, wonderful content in the form of books, audiobooks, newspapers, movies, and even music. He noticed that his local library, uh, the monthly update email, that you can access Acorn TV through their oh. website. So I don't know if that's new or something that we talked about before, but but a good reminder that there's an awful lot that just having a library card. Uh, I know over on uh, After Things and Weird Things, we've talked about the fact that I believe lynda.com, you, you're able to get access to a yeah. whole bunch of that mm-hmm. through your local library. Uh, uh, definitely check out uh, what, what you already have access to, to watch what you want and when you want on whatever device you please. Yeah, there's a uh, service called Hoopla that works with the LA Public Library that I, it's great for music. 
TV shows and movies on it are not so great, but music and audiobooks has great selection of audiobooks too. Cool. Uh, finally, Steve S says that Brian oh, is oh, I, smart. I, I think that, that that was a second copy. I put it back. Uh, oh, I meant to cut uh, and you paste. You just wanted me to read it again because it's Stephen S says that. You're <sighs> I, smart, I will right? never tire of hearing you say that Brian is smart. Thank you, know you what, Steve Brian, S. <laughs> you are smart. <laughs> Not as smart as the five folks who write us at cordkillers at gmail.com with your suggestions of everything from what we should be watching to stuff we stories we should check out or interesting responses to questions that we have. Uh, Tom, that was a good episode. We did good. It was. Yeah. I love this episode. You should go watch it again, folks. Uh, you can find it in your podcast feeds or on demand at twitch.tv slash night attack. We're also live on diamondclub.tv as well. Either place, Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We'll kill you again next week with our cords. Right. <laughs> uh, it's works. close enough. Yes. Hey, guys. Brian and Tom here, and it's just the same old message at the end of the credits, just like always. That's right, Brian. Nothing new here except your name showing up. Oh my gosh! Because I've you got a just name. supported us on Patreon. Yeah, all those five dollar donors. Look at that. That's your name in pixels. We're gonna make you famous, kid. Put your There's name in pixels on the internet. Classic names in there, but some of you are new. Some of you aren't there. It's sad. What can they do, Brian? I mean, they could go to Patreon.com/slash Cord Killers and pledge five dollars an episode to be one of these amazing people, like this the one. Amazing. Oh, look at look at that name right there. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> <laughs>